and disappeared beneath the rising waves of heat. Its headwaters were up there somewhere, he knew. A tactical feature to keep in mind, Brandish thought. And then he grinned tightly to himself. A tactical feature that would serve me little use now. But old habits tend to die a slow and sometimes painful death. The topography of the land was less a concern than Crook's dispatch. He had read it in the stark afternoon light coming through the headquarters windows at Fort Lowell. Afterward, he had flung it onto his newly cleaned desk, sending a mild curse after it. Across the small office, with his hands clasped behind his back, Sergeant McGrath had turned from the window and lowered a bushy eyebrow at him. Trouble, sir? Brandish had squinted into the harsh sunlight that framed his first sergeant. The glare washed out McGrath's features and set his brilliant crown of red hair blazing like a band of coals beneath a smitty's bellows. Yellow shirt again, Brandish said, leaning back in the desk chair. McGrath glanced at the dispatch upon the desk. I thought we put an end to that bit of trouble last winter. So apparently did Crook. Brandish pulled thoughtfully at the long, twisted end of his mustache. Apparently, Yellow Shirt and some of his warriors escaped back up into the Tonto Basin. While Crook was negotiating with the bands to move them onto the reservation at Camp Verde, Yellow Shirt was regrouping and recruiting more braves. McGrath frowned. Now that you just put them patches out of mind, sir, he said, it ain't none of your concern no more. Why, Captain, after tomorrow's bugle call, you'll no longer be a part of this here man's army. No siree. You'll be a civilian, and that yellow shirt fellow will be the problem of the colonel, and that new captain, Benton Ross. Brandish grunted and tried not to let his displeasure show. Ross is green as a willow sapling. You know that. Besides, he's a political appointee. Thinks he can move out here and round up renegades like they were a bunch of truant schoolchildren. He plucked two cigars from the humidor on his desk and handed one to McGrath. McGrath grinned and shrugged his meaty shoulders as he bit off the end and leaned into Brandish's match. I guess we know all about them government appointees. Served a while with Carrington at Fort Phil Kearney. Both men chuckled. McGrath went on. You'll learn right soon enough, Captain. The colonel put me in charge of teaching him the way of things out here. Hmm... Well, in that case, extend my condolences to the unfortunate Captain Ross, Brandish replied stoically. McGrath chuckled. I sort of reckon he ain't had much practical Indian experience, what with him coming straight from division headquarters in San Francisco. San Francisco, for God's sakes. Brandish snatched up Crook's dispatch off the desktop and put it on top of the neat pile of papers at the corner. He'd gone through all the paperwork that morning, placing the dispatches and notes that the new captain would need to see here on the desk, 
and filing the rest for the first and last time in his three years at Post Headquarters in the filing cabinets. For the most part, those cabinets had held only his revolver and holster, some ammunition, and a dusty bottle of whiskey that he had passed around three weeks ago when his discharge papers had come through. Why the hell do they pick raw paper pushers for this post? Brandish said, as if speaking to himself. Probably a screw-up, Captain, don't you know? We always get the ones who've stepped on official toes one time or another back east, or don't know which end the bit goes in. Raw strikes me as one of them, Captain. It was true. Brandish felt a surge of irritation. The isolated outpost seemed to be filled with more than their fair share of men who had failed...